0: Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin.
1: This is Kevin Pruitt with Rising Tide Startups and my guest today is Jethro Marks. Jethro, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Thank you. Good to be here. So share a little bit about Jethro with our audience. So, um, some of you may hear I have a bit
0: of a funny accent, and that's because I'm based in Sydney, Australia, and uh, I run a company called The Nile, which is an online retail business. We've um, we've been around since dinosaurs roamed the earth. Uh, We started (laughs) up around 2003, where some of your listeners probably even weren't born yet, and um, you know, the dawn of uh, online retail. We probably missed the first wave; we were in the second wave, and uh, at the age of 24. show my age a bit. Um, three of us uh, with three computers and, and not much else decided to uh, have a go at selling stuff on the internet. We had a, a highly sophisticated business model and plan. Anything we could find that would fit in a box, that somebody in the world would buy, would be what we would trade. That and, is a uh,
1: sophisticated plan.
0: <laughs> you know, I'd like to say it's gotten a lot more developed since then. It, it <laughs> probably hasn't. It's, you know, fundamentally we're still doing the same thing. We might just be a little bit. We might, we might be slightly better at it than we were before, but uh, <laughs> ultimately it's the same idea. And uh, so we ended up primarily focusing on the book business. Um, at the time, that was a very uh, straightforward way for us to sell because it didn't require a lot of explanation as to what the book was. Um, it was a highly tradable commodity. Um, it was a well catalog product. At the time, everybody said, you're mad. Amazon owns the book business was 2003 it was like okay it made sense and the way we described it to people we said okay you know this is the total market amazon owns this but on the to- on the side there are these two little slivers and uh thankfully it was a, a market that grew fast enough and that there was enough going on that we could we could create a business out of it
1: so, so what was the unique product or the unique selling point of, of differentiating yourself from amazon I, th- I think it's just one of these things
0: where you know you've got perfect market theorem in economics and it just doesn't necessarily apply it's it was it's in a big fast-growing market our experience has been uh, it isn't necessary to be number one sometimes people serendipitously find you sometimes we had product they didn't have uh a lot of the time uh, in the australian market people wanted to buy from a local seller so there were just a number of kind of reasons where coupled together, put them all together, you actually end up with, um, you end up with the ability to be able to build a business. Yeah. And um, we did that for about eight years. We extended our supply chains into about four different countries to be able to get all access to all the, the books that were available. And after about eight years, we, we we sort of went back to our initial business plan and we started adding other products. And uh, the first one we did was DVDs. And uh, today it seems like a ridiculous business to be in, like, who's buying DVDs? <laughs> but I'll tell you what, people still buy DVDs. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's a great business for us in the sense that we, you know, we've made the investment to be in it. There are no new entrants into the space, um, but it continues to sell. And there's going to be a market of people who just haven't migrated over to the um, on-demand. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe it last a year, maybe the last five, but it just keeps going. Yeah, that's um, a great Baby products and toys. Baby products and toys are probably our biggest kind of growth categories at the moment that we like the most. We also have about, have about six other categories, which are um, sort of smaller smaller um, elements for us. Um, health and beauty, sports and outdoor, et cetera. But the baby and toy are pretty much the main, the main play with books for us at the moment. And so um, today we run uh, a number of our own websites. Uh, we run the Nile.com.au, one in New Zealand. We've got one called Tiny Fox, which is a very specific to, to young parents. Um, we also run some of the largest marketplace stores uh, So we we have a an eBay store which last year ticked over about a million feedback positive feedback um, I believe that makes us the third Australian company to have reached that accolade and the 64th globally So we're, we're very pleased with that um, We've been participating on Amazon Australia since day one. So we're very we've got a very um, strong multi-channel strategy mm-hmm. we, we're very um, you know, we like the marketplaces. We like our own websites. We feel that there's two different distinct customers and we, our philosophy is that where the customer wants to go and where they want to transact with us, we'll do it. So um, uh, we're not trying to guide anybody. If, if they feel comfortable trading on eBay and pay with PayPal, we're there for them. If they want to come to our website and use Afterpay or some sort of buy now, pay later, we're there for them as well.
1: What a what a diverse strategy and I, I, I kind of, kind of uh, flipped Flip the lever, you know, to talk about business. But I, I just went right on by the as you were doing your bio. I mean, no opportunity to talk about family or where you're, where you grew up, or any of that. So I, I want to, I want to circle back. And I, you know, yeah, hate no. your family to hate me on that, you know. So tell us a little bit about the family. No, absolutely. So I'm, I'm uh, married with um, two kids. I have a
0: seven-year-old and a three-year-old is about to turn four. Uh, we're about to have our first um, ISO party. Um, I think for a four-year-old's expectations are a little bit lower than a seven-year-old's in terms of um, the amount of people that should participate. So, uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, we'll have a bit of a Zoom connection and get a bit of the family, and it will be enough. Um, but, uh, you know, that's uh, it. And um, yeah, they're lovely kids, but uh, you know, I get to see them a lot more now than I <laughs> was before. And I that's true. Um, I've taken up my new career as a um, part-time home uh, school uh, teacher. Um, <laughs> Which I'm finding to be a lot more challenging than my day job.
1: Yeah, it doesn't pay nearly as well either.
0: <laughs> Certainly doesn't think, pay as well. Uh, it doesn't pay as well. Um, it's a lot tougher. The
1: hours audience are longer. Is, uh, a lot more, there's a lot more real-time feedback. It's more <laughs> positive. Um, yeah, it's just interesting. <laughs> Your employees actually listen to you more. I'm sure they listen to you better than you know at work than they do at home for for sure. But. Uh, I, I'm curious, where did the name come from? Where the, the Nile? Was there an yeah. Egyptian-like origin there? No, no, not at all. So we figured there's an Amazon,
0: there's an a Nile. What a great it. strategy. We said, uh, well, the Nile is actually a longer river. Said, all right, yeah, that bodes well.
1: Anything you can get in a box and, and put um, on the Nile, you'll see. Yeah, sell. so that,
0: that's pretty much it. There wasn't much more thought put into it than that.
1: Uh, it was available. God, I love the
0: name it was available. that was the main thing, right
1: <laughs> love the name so it's it's interesting your your business model is it a is it more of a drop shipping model, or do you actually have factories you you carry inventory what's what's kind of the backstory behind the nile and, and other websites that you run
0: yeah so we we kind of we do a bit of everything we don't drop ship very much um, in our experience we just tend to try and uh, in order to be able to create the best customer experience, um, we try and get as, as involved in all parts of the, of the supply chain that we can. So, um, you know, we warehouse a bunch of inventory, um, we're our own warehouses, uh, we bring in some stock on a just in time basis, and we do drop ship a little bit where required. Um, but even when we're drop shipping, we're getting involved in the shipping component, for example, right. to make sure that we, we can get a much better um, level of insight. Um, our experience over the years has just been when we've relied on dropshippers to take care of it entirely, it's been quite a negative experience for customers. Um, and a lot of the work that we've been doing is trying to trying to take the entire supply chain and sort of say, well, from end to end, how do we create a consistent experience for the customer? And um, a lot of the time, that means bringing it a lot more in house um, rather than um, relying entirely on third parties. It's not to say we don't we don't work with dropshippers. It's just um it's not always such a straightforward vanilla offering like you would fire and forget and send order and assume it's mm-hmm. going to be taken care of wow. our experience it hasn't worked as well um but where it makes sense where someone's got capability to say do pick and pack um very cheaply effectively and quickly um it makes more sense to dispatch from their facility but then potentially we might take care of the shipping component uh, just to make sure that we've got it kind of tied into our overall system
1: so do you on the areas in the space that you're in, do you source products all the way back to the factory? Like like, do you source, you know, back to Vietnam or China or... Um, um, sorry, I missed the last part. Do we source from factories? Yeah, do you source all the way back to the factory of origin? Like do you go back to China and, and work with, you know, Chinese factories or Vietnam or Malaysia or wherever you might be sourcing your products?
0: Historically not so our model has typically been to work with um, distributors publishers mm-hmm. um, in the markets that we operate in So where we've got warehousing um, and then we tend to source locally um, You know, we are we're experimenting with a few lines where it makes sense for us to go and, and source direct um, But we haven't really interesting I'll, I'll segue to that in a second. But we haven't done a lot of our own brands to yet. now the interesting thing is a segue to this is that um, we have another part of our business where we provide an outsourced e-commerce service for other companies. So what we're actually doing is supporting other direct-to-consumer brands and brands that want to sell direct-to-consumer. Uh, we just don't do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we're, we've got a facility where we provide everything from warehousing, fulfillment, customer service, uh, building stores, on uh, building marketplaces, uh, marketplace stores, operating the whole thing under the, the name of the brand. Um Which is in essence the direct to consumer model that you were referencing. Right. Um, We
1: don't do it for our own brands. (laughs) It's more white label, like a white labeled service that you would do for somebody, like a white labeled supply chain type.
0: Yeah. So we've got a couple of examples would be um, a large multinational. We work with a number of large multinational brand owners, um, very strong brands, very strong marketing, have typically been a B2B play. And we facilitated them getting direct to consumer. Uh, to be able to start selling their product direct and and under the name of the brand. Um, Another example would be a um, a media company uh, who's got a a reasonably good amount of traffic and wants to monetize that. So we'll we'll enable them by creating a store for them and then we'll take care of that for them.
1: So traffic-wise, did did I hear you correctly when you said eBay? You've had over a million reviews Mm -hmm. on eBay Australia? A million positive. Yeah, Probably more than that. But, so, yeah, wow! So, how many transactions would that would that be? I mean, like, not everyone leaves a review. So, is it twenty percent people? Is it fifty percent of the people that leave reviews, or, you know, how many transactions uh, uh, are we talking about here? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I would I would say
0: it's probably, circa ten twenty percent would be my guess.
1: Wow! That's a, that's a lot of transactions. Yeah, it took us a while <laughs> but we got there. Is that eBay Australia or eBay globally? No, that's eBay Australia. Um, so it's, um,
0: yeah, we're, we're really pleased with that outcome just because it, it's a relatively small market compared to the larger, like
1: the US and um, UK. Um, but it was primarily just Australia that we did that off. But you do actually offer, mar- I mean, your market is global. It's not just limited to Australia, correct? Yeah, we're, um, look, we're primarily Australian business, but we
0: do, we do sell to a global audience. So we're, um, you know, we do ship to a number of different countries. Um, In the current environment, we've had to, you know, we've had to bring that back quite substantially because um, there's a lot less reliability around some of the shipping methods that we were using before. Um, In Australia, one of the, you know, one of the upshots of the way that the government has dealt with this problem is they have limited the number of people leaving and entering the country. Mm-hmm. And consequently, there's a lot of planes going in and out, so international um, freight
1: has gone up substantially wow. in terms of yeah. cost. Yeah. yeah, that would be, that would certainly be a deterrent to shipping globally. Yeah,
0: it's, um, I guess it's one of the positives and negatives of being in Ireland, right? When they, when they decide to close the
1: doors, that's it, it's shut, no yeah. one <laughs> coming in or out. I mean, I, I love the the business model of, you know, just the diversity behind your business model. And I, I wanted to kind of segue right here and just really talk about kind of current events and market we find ourselves in with the coronavirus. How has that affected business? Yeah, so I think on balance, we've landed on the right side of this. We've been very lucky. Um, we
0: sell a lot of product that people want and need at the time. And, um, you know, we're very, we're very happy that we're in a position to be able to help with a lot of the people who are having to stay at home um you know books and toys and baby products and the like are just things that people need and can't necessarily get very easily um so you know we've been very fortunate in that we've ended up um becoming busier than we were before um i mean it's been a, a, a challenge in that we've had to remove um you know our, we've had to move all of our staff to remote working in all countries mm-hmm. we've got an offshore site plus domestic um the warehousing's been put under a lot of constraints um which has made life interesting because we've had um an increased volume, which we're very pleased with, but at the same time, a, a reduction in the ability to be able to, to process it yes. um, as we move people around. So um, that's made us become very creative, and um, you know the guys are working exceptionally long hours to try and to try and make sure that we do get on top of things and um, satisfy all the customer demand that's out there. Um, so look on net net net, it's positive, and um, like I said, we're very happy that we've been in a position to help a lot of people, which has been good. Um, but it has created some operational uh, challenges. Um, then, one of the positives that's come off this, I must say, is that the the idea of remote working had always been something i have thought about. I was like, you know, would it be a good idea? Should we be remote? Like, you know, maybe there's maybe there's a model here that we could fit. But I never had the the courage to actually do it. I think it was one of those things that was nice to have, but never actually happened. And uh, one of the things that's occurred here is it's just forced us into that situation. And Pleasingly, the the results so far have been very positive. Um, You know, we have some staff in our offshore centre who travel up to two, two and a half hours to get to work each day. Mm. You know, in Australia, everybody travels about an hour. You know, those people have been given anywhere between two to five hours a day back to do whatever they want with. And I'm, um, I'm really happy with that. Like, I think that's a great outcome for staff and for us. So I think the interesting question that I'm wondering is once this all calms down. You know, will we go back to an office environment on a permanent basis, or do we go with what I think it will be, where it'll be a, um, you know, maybe people rotate in once or twice a week just to get the the, the connection with each other? Because we're definitely losing something by not being in the same room. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't see a situation arising
1: where everybody's in the office every day. It just doesn't make sense to me anymore. Hey, you're the boss. You can make that decision, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> I love that you're, you're talking true. like almost in in third person. Like, I wonder what we're going to do, and I'm sitting here thinking, I wonder what you're going to decide.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I've got the customer to answer to, so the question is, does it work well enough that the customer's going to be happy?
1: And so the results are so far have been good. So to me, that's the, that's the ultimate litmus test. So, how are you shipping things remotely? That that to me would be the biggest difficulty you would have now there's no, that, that can't be done. Like you physically need
0: to touch the product. So the warehouse just operates on a very, like I was saying earlier, like it's got a slightly impaired performance. Basically, you've got to have social distancing. Everyone's in masks, everyone's in gloves. Uh, we're sanitizing and cleaning everything relentlessly. Um, we're running split shifts. Um, it's just, it, it's, you're, it's a different mode of operating completely to what we would have been doing beforehand.
1: What do you think business is going to look like on the backside of, of COVID-19? What is business going to look like post-COVID? yes exactly all right
0: cool um yeah look, the, the, that's a really interesting question so we're thinking about this from a couple of perspectives the there's sort of a few scenarios which we think are re- realistic i think the most so one is that this goes on for a long long period of time which i think is unlikely if that happens in sort of just more of what we're seeing at the moment the most likely outcome that we think is going to occur is that there's been a there will be a seismic shift in terms of the move online. Um, so a whole bunch of people who previously weren't buying online are now buying online. A bunch of people who were buying online have accelerated their purchasing patterns mm-hmm. and so we think what's probably very likely is that um, the, the current patterns calm down a bit but we end up at a higher base level than we were before just as because the market size has increased. Um, anecdotally, a lot of people I know, including myself, and I just buying online because who wants to go to the shops? Sometimes you can't, and a lot of the time it doesn't make sense to do so. So I think that that will persist ongoing, um, even once this all comes down. And I think the shift, the the real, um, this will have become one of the
1: biggest tailwinds for online retail that we've ever seen, possibly the biggest ever. I, I love that answer. I mean, I, that, is, that is so, I, I can see it globally you know see the the exactly what you talked about this tailwind you know online globally but um real quick as we're, as we're closing because we're having internet issues here but um i just i i love your, your back story and just hearing the story of, and the found the foundation and origin of the nile is is there anything that we haven't touched on today that you kind of want to wrap us up with today and then tell people where to find you online i think
0: i look i would say if if there are a number of you've obviously got an audience of people in the startup space my my assertion at the moment is that now now is a great time to be starting a new business um there are pockets of demand that exist which didn't exist before there is buying behavior that has never we've never seen before i think there are a lot of companies that are struggling at the moment and i I feel really bad for them whose models just haven't i haven't translated into this new environment but i think if if you're a startup and you can see a pocket of demand, there is definitely an opportunity now to get in and do something. I think for, I would urge any of the listeners who are who are thinking about doing something like, now is a great time to do it. Um, the cost of entry into a lot of spaces is really quite low. And it's, um, you know, there's just opportunities in every direction at the moment to, to get and do in different things where incumbents aren't there at the moment. Um, and I, I think, yeah, look, I think that's, that's a very interesting situation you know, where, there are, where there are problems there are opportunities and I think it would be, you know, my, my only urging to your entire audience would be get out there and do it because now's, <laughs> now's an amazing time to do something and, you know, it, it, some of this behaviour, like we said, will, will, will dissipate and disappear potentially, but I think there are certainly new intrinsic ways of doing things which aren't going to
1: go away anytime soon. Jethro, what a great way to wrap us up today and, and uh, just what an encouraging way to end in the midst of a global pandemic. But uh, I just want to thank you again for just just walking us through this and just offering your, your inspiration and your wisdom and just helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Jethro, thanks for joining us today.